Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So today, I'm delighted to be able to bring to you a young man with so much experience, but more importantly than that, with so much empathy and compassion about changing the conversation. And that conversation is around mental health. And if you follow his work after this interview, you're going to see that he's doing some absolutely incredible things. Now, he's not just a mental health ambassador, he's also an ex-pro athlete and he has had his fair share of adversity even though he's such a young man. He has been stabbed at the age of 15 and he's doing something that is his purpose. He's doing something to help other people because mental health, as we all know, is not something that we can simply hashtag and just hope that it goes away. He's trying to really, really make a positive difference. So, It was a brilliant conversation. We actually are on YouTube as well. So I am putting some YouTube videos out there. If anyone is interested in obviously seeing my mug (laughs) and more importantly though, seeing the guests as well. So hopefully you guys get a chance to maybe follow us there. So I'm going to stop rambling now. I'm really excited to jump into this interview. I had a lot of fun doing it. You'll probably notice that if you do watch the video, but this is somebody who is going to change the game. It's somebody who is trying massively to make a massive dent on mental health not just in the middle east i feel like his work is going to transpire into a global thing so it's somebody to watch and it's somebody i certainly urge you all to follow after this show so without further ado guys let's jump straight into this i am delighted to have ali on the show today of find your voice we have had actually really interesting conversation just prior to this getting to know each other and i've asked ali to save some of that information because i want him to obviously share it with you guys who are listening or watching as we're now on YouTube moving forward. So Ali, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Thank you, Aaron. I'm I'm amazing. I'm doing very, very, very well. It's a bright, sunny day in Toronto. Nonetheless, it's freezing, but <laughs> I'm doing great. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad the sun's out somewhere because out here it's just... <laughs> yeah, so, well, we were just talking actually because I've, I've just visited Toronto. It's a beautiful city and stuff. And I've actually been Canada quite a few times. But let's not talk about my travels. Let's talk more about you because I think you've got an incredible message and... Just before I start this, I actually reached out to Ali yesterday and I seen one of his videos and it really resonated with me because the message was so sincere and it was so pure because you spoke about a time of adversity and maybe we won't jump straight into that yet because I want you to introduce yourself. You've got incredible stuff to share so I'm really excited and I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to pass it over to you my friend. So if you wouldn't <laughs> mind just giving the listeners a little bit about yourself and what brings you here today on Find Your Voice. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. <laughs> but a little bit about me is that I was born in Egypt. I was born in Giza, uh, next to where, you know, the famous Giza pyramids are. I think a lot of people when I say this are like, wow, wow, wow. So I think that's a fascinating thing to put out there. But in short, I'm a former pro swimmer. I swam in the World Championships in 2014. And I have become a mental health ambassador for the Middle East. And uh, where I'm aiming to put all my efforts um, in the next couple of years is to speak on leadership and mental health as a whole for the upcoming generation. And in short, I'll just, you know, touch on a little bit of, uh, of, of why I've become why I've become. Essentially, when I moved, um, moved out of my parents' house and, and lived by myself in Toronto, I didn't know I was going to struggle, right? I, was, I still am that alpha, very strong, masculine type of guy. But, you know, that all changes when you are struck by an illness that you used to mock. You know, I I always grew up thinking, you know, people who are sad or depressed, I don't want to be around them. You know, they're not my vibe. They're not my type. And you know what? By all means, I do empathize with people that have that same mindset. But that all changed when I went through it. That all changed when I couldn't get out of bed. And when I was this guy going to a therapy session that couldn't even talk about their emotion to anybody, let alone open up to a psychotherapist that really changed my life and i realized that if it was me this 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 super confident uh, guy that trained 10 times a, a week would wake up every other day 
for 5 a.m. practice at 4.30 to be in class by 8. That type of guy with that mindset, I did not think could be broken. And you're talking about an 18-year-old, you know, their peak levels of hormones and super confident. You know, sometimes you go through adversity and it changes your life. And that was my sort of psychological adversity. The video that you saw was when I got stabbed when I was 15. So I actually went through a couple of things uh, growing up and it wasn't easy. But just a message out there to all the uh, listeners. I, if you do feel that you're, you don't fit in, I, I was also that type of guy growing up. I was the type of guy that was a very high achiever, never fit in. But a lot of people would give me plenty of respect growing up because, you know, I was, uh, even though I wasn't in the cool circle of friends that would go to the best parties at high school or, 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 or secondary school, I was on the A soccer squad or A football team. I was I was the captain of the swim squad. I was, you know, um, getting lead roles in, in theater. I was this all-rounded guy, but not in the cool circle, just because I was the I had this need, this need to shine. And my mom would always say that. But that came out of a very low point of self-esteem and insecurity, which then came about when I really lost it um, living alone in Canada and suffering clinical depression for two and a half years, which then made me decide that, holy crap, well, if I'm Arab, and I found it extremely hard to talk to my mom about something that is the leading cause of disability in the world, how are other people doing in their life? I mean, is this why our economy is, you know, in like bust? I, I really don't know, but it made me ask questions. That led me to being very curious. That made me start a mental health magazine. And that made me go to Harvard on a conference, you know, because a very cool, interesting guy, the biggest psychiatrist in the Middle East was there, whom when I spoke to over there at the conference at the Arab Harvard conference, which was last year, he literally became my mentor moving forward. He invited me to the World Health Organization to sit on a meeting, uh, to sit on, to sit in a meeting um, over the summer to discuss how we should change how mental health is portrayed in the media. So I was there in Sharm el Sheikh talking to the leading Arab journalists in Arabic, where I'm not like as strong and as fluent as I am in English. And I was just talking broken English Arabic, but they <laughs> were just giving me it's a very, very, very interesting experience in terms of like how they looked at me. And, and I felt that was empowering. And that's essentially my story because everything started to kick off from there. And if that person, Dr. Nasser Loza, didn't believe in me, I don't think that um, I would be where I am. But just to cut that short, I, I hope that touched on everything with regards to my story. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So firstly, thank you for sharing that. And obviously, we'll dive into some of those areas later on. And the, the interesting thing with me is because I find athletes really, really fascinating. And um, initially when I was going to do a podcast, because I wanted to do one about three years ago, it was always on the mindset of an athlete. But um, again, mm. you know, through my anxiety and stuff, I never really followed it through until recently. And then I thought, actually, there's a bigger, there's a bigger problem here and there's a bigger purpose for me. Hence, find your voice. And you just mentioned something there. So you, you're a pro athlete, you're on the soccer squad, you're on the swim squad, you have fitted in because of your talents and physical prowess. And you're on the exterior, a very, very strong person. And it reminds me of actually the strongest person I know, which is my mom on the other side, who I briefly told you about, who suffered with chronic depression as well. And the, the reason I mentioned that is because you've got two ends of the spectrum here, two very, very strong people on the outside, yet internally, they've been broke by something that they never understood. And myself especially coming from an asian community it's a taboo subject we don't talk about mental health what have you got to worry about mm. you've got a car you've got a house why should you be worried and that was always a situation even when my mom had it and when i seen her break i had to educate myself and i had to understand what was going on and i suppose it was only recently about a year ago when i spoke about my anxiety i realized i had mental health as well and i never wanted that label where it was all right to point it at other people or speak about it when i was kind of labeled with it i was like I don't want that. And then I need you to understand it. So it's nice when people like yourself who were probably inspiring people without recognizing it. There was probably people in the younger years seeing you at school, maybe your fellow peers who looked at you and thought he's got it all figured out. But here you are now openly expressing your 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 flaws, shall we call them? I'm not even sure they're flaws, but your vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah. So, so. yeah. Vulnerabilities, flaws. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. The strongest people in the world, like I, I have a very different 
perspective when I uh, see people. Like people see Conor McGregor and they, fit, they, they just think, what a warrior. I ask myself, what the hell has this guy gone through to make him that strong, right? Like the most, the strongest people in the world have the biggest hearts. That's right. something we have to put out there and mm -hmm. people have to know that because to wake up 5 a.m. to do what you have to do, that's not a passion. That's not relentless passion. That's not being unstoppable. That's having some sort of fire that is inhuman, like that doesn't exist. Something has to have penetrated your heart, whether that's out of a past experience, whether that's out of a, uh, you know, a, a feeling. And if anything, it just shows how big your heart is because some people numb their feelings, right? People who do that, people who chase something that they want, whether even if it's for the wrong intentions, have always the chance of going back and making amends and ha living with the right intentions just because the size of their heart, it's perspective, right? It could be black or it could be white, but their size of their heart is so big. No one, no, and that's what I realized in myself. And 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 whenever I, I I'm asked, hey, but you're so vulnerable sometimes, you're whatever. My message is that being empathetic. My message is that feeling deeply and not really running away from your feelings, facing them will allow you to see, in, like, will allow you to peek in the depths of anyone and be able to connect. And once you're able to connect. You don't play the selling game. You're not in business. You're here to connect. And, you know, that just defies all the rules of business I've been ever taught because it's, I mean, just care, man. Care. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. So th there's two things I want to touch on that. Firstly, I love the strongest people have the biggest hearts. And when I look at the strongest people around me, they definitely have the biggest hearts. But in relation to that empathy thing there you mentioned, so I do a separate podcast locally, which is about mental health as well. And it's just men. And it's about men's mental health. And there was a big strapping guy. He'd just come from the army. And he used to box as well. So he's a typical alpha male. And he came in. <laughs> and, he, and just before we started, he says, guys, do you ever get that feeling where sometimes you're sitting there or you've watched something on the telly or you've listened to a song and it's made you emotional and you've like choked up and you've got like a frog in your throat? And I was like, yeah, me. And then like the rest of the lads all put their hands up as well. And I remember about two or three years ago um, when I was with my wife and I was saying, I think there's something weird about me. And she was like, what? I was like, I feel like the wife in the relationship because I said, I get emotional when I see somebody hurt or I, I feel their pain. Or if somebody's overly happy, I almost get emotional then because I'm so happy for them. And then I realized that that's part of being an empath. And initially I never wanted to be an empath. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be the guy who never cries. And now I'm like, I'll just be who I am. And through that, yeah. that's why I think genuinely like this podcast has resonated so much. I've been able to connect with people like yourself. So I like to think I'm a good judge of character that when I see someone and they're sending a message online, even through this phone here, I was able to see your messages and your stories through like your IGTV and you sharing your story because there's certain people in the world who will say the right things to say the right things, right? Because they want likes yeah. and clicks and then there's certain people who are actually feeling it. So I love your message on empathy. And that's actually something you're trying to do now, isn't it? In terms of like making a yeah. movement forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've actually started a podcast and it's 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 airing as we speak. The first episode is supposed to air next week. It's called Empathy Always Wins. And that's the message in it. I'm bringing on um, some of the most, you know, uh, some of the most impactful change makers and social uh, leaders that I know within my network, um, which I'm excited to have you on board as well. Absolutely. Um, but the whole purpose of the show is to make sure that we really understand that um, the only way we are ever going to make a, a, a legacy or create a, a lasting impact is through caring. Because I feel that in this digital world that we live in, we're starting to lose that a little bit. And after being heavily involved with so many mental health initiatives, awareness campaigns and all this, you know, crazy, amazing stuff, we're not really taking the action that we should do. I mean, the, there are people that are really missing out. Um, and my friend uh, Scott St. Marie had a very good TED talk where he described that why mental health awareness isn't as effective um, just because while we're out there campaigning and doing crazy things for the cause, the people that actually really need it can't get them, can't get out of bed. You know, we're not really asking people to 
connect, be empathetic with other. We're, we're, we're really advocating for the cause, but some people are getting lost in the noise. And what I'm trying to get out there and the message with Empathy Always Wins is to understand that the most important thing that you can ever, the best, the best tool within your arsenal, within your emotional arsenal is empathy and care. Text your friend. That is what's going to make you win and feel happy in life. That's the feeling that we are all chasing, right? And that's really the message behind empathy always wins. And that will make you a better businessman, a better person, a better, a better caretaker, a better man, a more mm. masculine man. Absolutely. And, 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 Overall, you win businesses that are not going to care about their people and that are not going to provide for people's mental well-being are going to be businesses that fail over the next 10 years because failing to take care of your people will inadvertently allow like make people fail to take care of your business. People just people want to be people want to feel that they belong and without empathy, you know, without caring. And then comes compassion because you become empathetic. That's a feeling that you have. Then you act on compassion, which is another step. But with 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 with, with the message, it's just caring and having that step one is the most important thing. I 100% agree with that. One of the things I'm glad that you said there is just hashtagging mental health or just saying mental health awareness isn't going to solve the problem. I agree because there are people out there who find putting socks on as difficult as climbing a mountain or you know it's, it's one of the hardest and most consuming things and it's a shame because we're in a society now where we're so socially connected via this we can literally talk to any single person across the world like we're doing right this second yet we're still struggling exactly. with isolation we're still struggling with loneliness and people are dying as a result of that so something needs to change there again i haven't got the actual answer for it but i think what you just mentioned there i.e texting taking a moment to just ring that person or popping around to see them or offering to do something i think that's definitely a step that we could all probably implement right this second if you haven't heard from someone so i think that's a great change but i'm hoping that maybe in society we can try and change how we promote mental health and not just use it as a buzzword because i don't i don't like it when i see people who i know their intent isn't pure and they're using mental health because it's a buzzword i i you know i've seen i've seen the pain and if i could get rid of the mental health across my loved ones i would get rid of it in a heartbeat i don't want it i don't want to hashtag it ever but unfortunately it's in the society that we live in so that's really I'm, I'm glad you said that and i just wanted to obviously touch on that so empathy like you said you've got a big heart and and that's evident because of the work you're doing now you could probably do anything like i said you you were talented in sports you you're, you you can speak many languages and i'm sure you've got many other talents as well i've seen that you were singing earlier as well when i looked at your studio so yeah you can do many things <laughs> yeah which is fantastic but you're now focused on trying to make a positive impact through empathy what would you say and i'm putting you on the spot here a little bit because i I, I like to believe people are all good somewhere and we just make bad choices, myself included. I, I make a lot of bad choices in life. But I also feel that just that desire or just that feeling, the empath feeling of when I see someone upset or when I see someone happy and I feel that is also just me. I don't think you can make that. I don't think I can go to the shop and pick it up or read a book and learn that. Is there yeah. something you think that maybe people could do or practice in order to be more empathetic? Um, a hundred percent. So that's a great question. Last night I was having a podcast with a, uh, one of my best friends. She's a 22 year old counterterrorism expert, um, living in New living out of New York city. And imagine I asked that same exact question to her, bearing in mind, she watches beheading videos and, and, and watches a lot of terrorism. Like she, she operates on the dark web. So I, I thought that, you know, her heart would have been so cold and, you know, how do you still manage to have a personal life, let alone, you know, do that. So again, this is a bit of an extreme case, but that just shows you that what she said, which I, which I'll regurgitate, we're all hard, hardwired to care, right? We are born with a heart. Whether that's a, a very, you know, um, uh, even a terrorist or whether that is someone who it ha doesn't have deep intentions or it, the best intentions. There's one thing that connects me and there's one thing that connects us both together. That is we both would kill for our families. We both there are certain people in our lives that no matter what, we will throw ourselves in, and take a bullet for. So that is really where you know you know that your strongest level of empathy lies within but to exists 
So to harness that, you just have to do more of the activities that make you feel connected with people, like giving, like like volunteering, like like think about the activities that you feel extremely, you know, connected without any benefit whatsoever in return. Don't think about your resume or your CV. Don't think about what people will think about you. Just do something for for the good of your heart. And sometimes, you know, I was one of the people that I found that question when I started to ask myself, well, what am I doing just out of the goodness of my heart? And I figured out that that's something I had to work on. And that allowed me to connect with people in a way that I never had. And that builds a level of empathy that you can then connect with someone of any race, of any color, and of any walk of life. This is really the the best skill out there. And it's just through caring. And if you're not really used to caring, follow these steps. Even buying a pet to just feel a dog. A dog is scientifically proven to actually make you feel less lonely because once you take care of him, you feel connected to a living being. And guess what? That just increases your level of empathy. So there are so many things you can do, but in essence, it's connect back with your your humanity because we are hardwired to connect. Back in the day where we didn't have the technological advancement, you know, a lot of people now are anxious because they're lonely. Back in the day where this like technology changes, but biology doesn't. And that's a word I'm stealing from my friend, Scott St. Marie. Uh, he would say, you know, we're, at, we're using this, our phones, um, at an all-time high in terms of the time we're spending and whatnot. But what we don't really recognize is our anxiety levels are at an all-time high. And if you look back in the day, like back in ancient times, at how we are wired to be, people who do, did not live in tribes had shorter life expectancies, right? Why? Because they weren't protected. They, would, they wouldn't get good sleep at night. What keeps us together is our connection. And unfortunately, while this keeps us digitally connected, it doesn't fulfill our innate need to connect and feel hardwired, thus the anxiety and thus the mental health epidemic. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. So firstly, there's a couple of things we can all take away from that, which is just giving, volunteering, just doing something with, basically just doing something and knowing you might not necessarily get something back. I think that's that's a beautiful, beautiful point there. And just touching on the last bit, so it's really weird. I work from home, so I'm a full-time property developer and I do podcasting as a side, as a sort of a side passion. And I sit here pretty much where you see me now and I'm working literally 16 hours a day when I have an interview with someone like yourself or I, I'm on site and I'm seeing someone, I'm brilliant, I'm happy, I'm smiling, I'm energetic and you can feel my energy. When I have those days where I, ha- I don't have an interview planned or I'm not on site and I sit here, I can feel my anxiety rising. I can feel my levels of loneliness and isolation just struggling. And I can have this and I can be speaking to people all over the world via this, but it's not the same. That it's not. This is This is not a substitute for it. And what I've actually started doing now is actually coming off this very, like I I probably go on it once a day now, which is when you caught me yesterday when I was on the treadmill, just trying to keep myself going and not getting bored. But generally speaking now, I realize this isn't the answer. The answer is human to human connection. We need to start caring about each other and one another. And I think the more we can do that, then like you said, it it doesn't even matter about your skin tone, your race, your color. Because one of the things I didn't recently with my wife and I'm very grateful for was traveling we didn't a hell of a lot of traveling I've been blessed to have seen over 50 60 countries and 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 when you meet people from even though you can't communicate with them and you just look at them in their heart of hearts when you peel it all back all we want to do is have that human connection and we just want we want to be happy and one of the scientific um I can't remember the doctor who mentioned it there's scientific research which has come out now is that your levels of happiness are linked to your relationships and the quality of your relationships so not how many friends you have on facebook how many relationships you have how many people you can call on or you can speak to or you can go and sit by so uh, i'm really glad you said that and again this is obviously because this is your field this is something you practice so that's really really useful for 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 uh, our listeners um i'm going to segue ever so slightly then because you said something at the beginning of the episode and it was something i definitely wanted to get on this episode which was about being stabbed and this was obviously what brought you here and although we've segued into this, which I think is a fascinating part of the show, 
I want to touch about that moment and not just the physical trauma, but the emotional trauma from it as well, because I find it very difficult to comprehend how you were 15, the person was younger than you, I believe, could at that time even think to do that kind of harm to a human. I mean, I, I've not had any enemies in my life, but even if I did have an enemy in my life, just to put that kind of pain on someone, I can't, I can't fathom that. I can't understand that. I don't understand it. So if you wouldn't mind just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that happened in, in, in Cairo. And, and just a disclaimer, I think Cairo is a very safe place. It, that was something personal and it by no means will happen to any tourist. I love my country. But that happened in Cairo. And um, yeah, it was over a girl. It's very weird. It's They always are, right? They Absolutely. always are. And I, I don't know. I mean, look, I I I, uh, I didn't expect it. It was it happened after the revolution. I think it was in two thousand and eleven, two thousand twelve. Can't remember. But it 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 was weird because I didn't expect that. And here's the thing. I was again. I was a. I was I was fifteen back then. I was you know in my peak uh, swimming career. I know 15 is a, is, is young for us, but but that was my peak in my swimming career, and I had big I had a big chest I had a big physique and whenever I would go somewhere I would just be like you know this guy does something he's he plays sports he's he's a he's he stands out so one thing that I did that day and I shouldn't have done again I had a tough time at school because I was always again and I and I said this earlier in the episode I was isolated even though I was respected by you know the the cool kids i was always isolated when it came to group work or stuff like that i only had three friends in high school uh actually two daniel and, and Suleiman. um and i remember very well because in dubai i would uh where i was living during my high school i i got into many fights in fact i was suspended from school multiple times i was i wasn't the even though i got seven a stars two a's and a b i was the guy that was really a troublemaker because I couldn't control my emotions. I was a very emotional guy. And I'm putting this out there because I know some guys out there are, and they sometimes are ashamed of that. I'm, I'm out here telling you my entire sort of career is based on that specific skill set. So you can build a, a hell of a, a hell of a story using that, that trait of yours. But I had just ripped a t-shirt a month before I visit Egypt. So when that guy wanted to quote unquote fight me, it's funny saying that as a 23 year old, but I decided to take my shirt off because I didn't want to go back home to my mom seeing a ripped t-shirt and her being, you know, afraid or terrified. What am I doing? Because, you know, we're not, we're not, we're, we're not that sort of, we're not that kind of people. And so I took my t-shirt off thinking, you know, it's just going to be a throw here and there, a jab here and there. Anyways, before I know it, in a split second, it was not a punch. It was something in that person's hand. And I just ducked all of a second and it just skid my neck and it landed on, on my back, on the side of my back. And that really changed my life because I, um, I knew right there and then um, that, that, that I'm, I'm lucky to be alive because blood was gushing all over my back. My friends uh, were screaming, you know, I had to. I had to keep my composure and, and make sure that um, I called my, my mother back then very close to her and tell her that, hey, I'm on my way to hospital. And I'm very glad that my uncle's a, a surgeon in Egypt and he in no time figured a, a clinic that I uh, I were to be operated uh, on by his friend. And it was just very, 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 I was very grateful. But nonetheless, the trauma, of course, um, it made me realize that I need to be the strongest person I could I could be. Nonetheless, that wasn't really what helped me in, in hindsight, but it really, uh, I did not pay attention to the the, the damage that, that made. Um, but I was the, from then on, I never missed a gym session. From then on in high school, um, I, 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 was, I was much bigger. And I didn't pay attention to swimming as much as I paid attention to my body. So that is a body image insecurity as well that I, I made sure to, to get over during the therapy sessions that I had when I was going through my depression, my clinical depression, which then everything rises to the surface, right? You avoid childhood traumas, you avoid things until you are faced to, to deal with all the challenges you've put aside. It's kind of like procrastination hits you right back in the face. Thank you for sharing that. So 
a, a few things I noticed from that was obviously your emotions and thank you for sharing that you're you know you were ready for a fight almost instantly as as many of us guys are because some of us are too small or some of us are too pretty looking that we think when we're when we're approached by someone we have to stand up and we have to fight because that's just a, a man thing to do so you saying that now there are people listening who are probably in that same situation we do not have to fight every single time somebody steps up to us we don't and i and i heard a great quote actually and i'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this so i got in trouble for fighting once and i was speaking to the police officer and he said something to me and it was really really profound that it's still stuck in my head i was 19 at the time and he says the one that walks away lives to fight another day and that was it and then he just walked out and it was kind of like one of those lessons in life that you get but it's just an important line that we need to recognize that there's certain battles worth fighting that certainly wasn't a battle worth fighting and just touching on that again the reason I say that is because I had those insecurities as well that I didn't want to look weak and it's our emotions if we don't control them which will then lead on to our decisions that we make which can then either get us in trouble or they can help us in our life so it's good that you're in a position now where you're obviously doing stuff and the biggest point I took from that story was gratitude you're grateful to be alive yeah. now. and that must have had a massive 100%. profound effect on your life a hundred percent and you know what once that once you go through an experience like that you simply don't care about you know what people say about you because you see things like i've seen things in my life i'm pretty sure other people have but from my experience someone's you know someone's negative comment or people or even an entire nation's negative perception of me does not impact a single inch of how i see myself because i i, I literally could have been dead could have been dead now, what what would what what would their you know what would what would their perception mean to me if I would I am here to live every single day because I believe my life it did not happen by coincidence. The fact that I'm alive right now is 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 a miracle, and everyone the fact that like the probability of being alive is a miracle. Like we can Google that, but from my experiences, you know, you sometimes don't realize that until you're. You're just struck by something and you have to wake up because that's your wake up call. And I think we all get different wake up calls in life, but that was certainly mine. And the thing is that I want to add, um, I don't believe people should be physical with their hands. I think that that I was I was weakest when I was physical with my hand. In fact, right now, I'm, a, I'm the strongest I've ever been and I'll never touch a soul in my life. Love it. I'm exactly the same. Absolutely. And I think if anyone wants to be physical with your hands, go into a boxing organization, go into UFC and do it that way. Do it professionally. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you know what, Dan, the, the, my best friend that I, that I talk about, he's a semi-pro boxer, uh, semi-professional boxer in the UK. Um, he's, he's one of the smartest people I know. Nonetheless, this is what he loves to do. He's like, Ali, I'm born a fighter, but he could never touch a single soul with his hands outside the ring. Love that. So that's exactly what you're saying. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay. So if there are any guys obviously listening, please take that advice on board because we're telling you from experience here, never has any one of my fights or any of the scuffles that you've gone into ever made me feel any more of a man afterwards in hindsight when I really think about it. And actually now it's my ability to say, do you know what? I'll walk away. Yeah. I just wanted to say something because I think that what allows you to not put a hand on someone else after they annoy you is understanding perhaps why they're saying what they're saying right yeah. and i think that is that that is what i also really wanted to touch on with empathizing and empathy you win that fight inside you because you are able to connect with someone way deeper than they're able to connect with themselves and that's really the the beauty of really diving deep within yourself and doing your inner work because i think that allows you to see beauty in people when they don't see beauty in themselves and beauty in things and beauty in life you really get to live the 100 percent experience of life absolutely absolutely um and even on a lesser subject than that i do that now even with traffic so when you're driving and somebody cuts you up i always say it to myself because back in the day it's like what are you doing why are you cutting me up but now it's like maybe that person needs to get to somewhere maybe they're in an emergency maybe they're running late for an interview that's really going to change their life and I just reframe it in my head and it's very easy to do because one it'll make you forgive that person and see see them with empathy but two you take a lot of stress off yourself as well otherwise you're stressed for, throughout the day and then you're you're seeing things that are going to just stress you out whereas if you can just be empathetic towards anyone and try and understand why they are doing what they're doing I think that's a beautiful powerful point so you've had quite a diverse range of 
life experiences, you've done a bit of everything. And I'm just intrigued now to hear about your daily routine. And one of the reasons I ask about this is because I think it's important for the listeners to maybe try and take something from one one of my guests on the show. For example, you might say something and somebody listening might think, actually, that's really going to help me. For example, the journaling that we spoke about earlier. So if you wouldn't mind, just a typical day in the life of Ali. Yeah, look, I, I try to sleep at, at around 11, 12, and then wake up by, by 5.30, 6.30 at max. It's so important because I, I, I believe that, you know, I love working in the dark. Like, I'm a very sort of late night owl, but I'm extremely productive in the morning. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a walking oxymoron. <laughs> Anyways, to find to find a balance in between, that's how I do it. Um, but during the day, I have to plan my day the night before. So when I'm in bed, I airplane mode my phone. I write in exactly what I need to do hour by hour the next day. And you know what? I put in 10 times what I should do. But I always go with the phrase, you know, aim for the stars, land on the moon. Um, there are always three things that I need to get done every single day. So if, even if I write five, six, sometimes eight, there are three top priorities. I go by the rule of three. That always wins in my personal life. Um, I have to incorporate exercise every other day. In fact, I'm a CrossFit, um, I'm a level one CrossFit trainer as well. Um, that, that has to be, I think, you know, there's, um, with mental illness, I think what really sort of helped me get over that period, and that's why I'm relentlessly focused on that, regardless how busy I am, try fit in 45 minutes of high intensity um, exercise throughout your day. That is going to make your your productivity not only sore, but it will make you feel extremely happy being and living throughout your day. That's important. Um, one thing that I don't really mention is I have to call my mom every single day. I'm, I'm extremely close and sensitive with that. I think if I don't speak to anyone, this is the only person that I, uh, I can't, I make it my responsibility and I don't care what's going on between me and her, if we're having a fight, whatever, that's something that I resolve every single day. I can't sleep with my mom not being, um, you know, on the same level of par, um, with me emotionally. Um, yeah, that's really it. And if there's something else that I would want to put out, I think that there's no such thing as, you know, watching Warren Buffett or watching Jeff Bezos or watching um, Gary Vayner, Vayner, Vaynerchuk's advice and being like, hey, I'm going to copy that. No, learn the message from learn something, learn a common thread from all of them and then adapt yourself to who you are because you are so different. You are extreme and you are special. You're not different and they're better. No, they're on page 365 of their own book, whereas you're on page one. So how are you gonna write the entire chapter or the the entire book? How are you gonna make your chapters? Start thinking yourself like that and you'll realize that you're just you're just unfulfilled potential. But you are potential just as they were potential. That blows my mind and it's that perception and that's perspective that I always take in my life. So with anything that sort of me um, or anyone puts out there, make sure to always ask yourself, um, what am I, what works with me? Because that, all that I've said works with me personally. I know other people that have horrid mothers, <laughs> sorry to say that, but don't have parents that can be their support system. In fact, they're doing their, what motivates them is getting out of the house and doing, and getting connected with a community. You know what? Find someone, find something, find, find where your heart is, find where you feel at peace where you can connect on a human to human level because no two people are the same no two fingers are the same height and me and you were just meant to coexist in the way that we are truly meant to be special finding our own voice because this is essentially what the podcast is called right absolutely finding your voice absolutely my friend so i'm just going to quickly recap that because i think some of those are unique they're not stuff that we've heard on this episode before and there's some things that we can all pretty much do today. So the rule of three, I like that because you're not overwhelmed then by a big exhaustive list. And that way, at least you're prioritizing what's really important. The exercise thing, it's something that I do on my, on my, one of my Instagram handles. I will literally, it will be the most boring photo ever, but I will post a photo of me at the gym just because consistency matters. And one of the things where I get my energy from and it's kind of my form of meditation is the gym. So I, I can meditate and I do do it, but I get more peace when I work out in the gym and I just feel so much better in the day. So I'll always work out as well. 
calling your mom, I love that because I have to do that. So whether I'm on the way to the gym or whether I'm on the way back, I have to check in with my mom just to see if she's okay. And the same with my wife as well. That's my two best friends in the world. So I'll always do that. And then I just love that last bit. You said a beautiful quote, which is, you are the potential just as they were the potential. And that for me was, that was, that was brilliant because so often we see these gurus and we see people on their final chapter or at the top of their game and we're trying to almost sound like them. We're almost saying the exact same things as them. And what's the point that we've already got them in the world. Why not find your voice through that? And it is literally what you say. So I will listen to a podcast and it could be an hour long, but I've just taken one sentence from that. And then from there, I'll write a blog post, but it resonate with my story, with my life, my experiences. Mm-hmm. And people need to hear your story as, as much as they need to hear my story and everyone else's story, because all our stories are unique, even though we can resonate like, we both love our mom. We both love exercise. But at the same time, we, we've both been in fights and we've done stupid things. But we have so many different facets to that story, different pages, different chapters that this is what this show is about. It's about sharing them. And the more we share it, the more we have that strength to share it, then what's going to happen is it's going to give people the strength to share theirs as well and not to be afraid of being themselves because the stuff that I used to think I would get laughed at for, i.e. my accent, because a lot of people in the UK, we have a we don't have the nicest accent in Birmingham. It's, it's better if you're from London. There's stuff like I stumble my words. I talk quite quickly or I'm anxious. I'm shy or I cry when I when I watch a, a film, for example, as a grown man. Those are the things that have actually helped me raise this podcast to where it is today. And this is why, why I tell people just just embrace yourself, embrace your your strengths and your weaknesses. And I promise you, people will resonate towards that rather than you just trying to sound like the next person. Yeah. And I, I must put something out there that I really respect and admire in, in you as well. I feel that, um, and I sense that, you know, as men, some men sort of feel a bit weaker when they take um, advice from, you know, feminine or, or women leaders or women people that have power as women. And I feel that, you know what, my entire success or my entire fulfillment, sense of fulfillment as a man comes from the advice that I have gotten from a woman and that is my mom and I feel that woman empowerment is extremely important and that is a thread that is through is is continuously popping up throughout our episode today and I just wanted to bring that light because I feel that when we allow um, when we allow women to really shine we essentially allow our faces to glow as men because I think there's a quote and it doesn't come to mind, but behind every successful man is a, is a woman. Absolutely. And just on that, actually, so I'm glad you brought that back to light because we spoke earlier about how the strongest people have the strongest heart. And just through this very short episode, you can tell your best friend other than Dan, who you mentioned earlier, is your mom. The same with myself and the same with my younger brother, who his best friend is my mom as well. And he's very much like you and me in terms of he's an empath. He, he feels pain when people have it. And maybe that is why we have this strength, why we have the ability to be empathetic towards people because our, our mothers have taught us that. And my wife as well, I mean, she's exactly the same, which is why I married her as well. So we have those women in our lives which allow us to bring out the strengths, the strengths in my eyes. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That was spot on. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so... Before we jump into what I like to call the fun part of the show, where I'm going to put you on the spot, I just want to ask you a question then. So in this particular moment, right this second now, what's your biggest fear? Not creating the legacy that I believe the Middle East needs. And we're going to talk about legacy at the end of the show. So just hold that thought in your head then. So we're going to go into the fun part of the show. And this, Ali, is basically for the listeners to get to know you, just little bits about you. So not talking about the adversity, not talking about the hardships in your life, just a bit of fun. So for the next 60 seconds, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start the timer and I'm going to ask you random questions. So whenever you're ready, let me know. Go for it. I'm ready. <laughs> so your favorite sport? Football. Your favorite sports person? Cristiano Ronaldo or Mohamed Salah. Your proudest achievement? Uh, my relationship with my mother. Your favorite motivational speaker? Tony Robbins. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Uh, that's a really good one. If I could abolish one thing, I think that would be racism for sure. I love that. Your favorite book? The Alchemist. Who is your biggest role model? My grandfather. If you could relive one day again, what day would it be? The day I made my mom cry because she was so proud. The ability to fly or be invisible? Fly. The number one thing that annoys you? People with so much intellect yet 
no or little action. Money or fame? Fame, because that's impact. And money doesn't mean a huge deal to me. I'm all about impact. Your favorite food? Chicken tikka masala. Would you rather speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? I'd be able to speak to animals, for sure. What song best describes your life? Hall of Fame by... Uh, I, actually, this is a song because my mom sent that to me while I was the, while I was at my lowest of my depression, and and that really, it's but by the script Hall of Fame, and it's just every time I hear it, I I break down. It's one of those songs. So you know how we were speaking. I'm not sure if I mentioned it in this episode or was it before the episode about when you get that song or that moment where you watch something and you get almost like emotional that you get this overwhelming feeling. That's one of the songs that does that yeah. for me as well. <laughs> I'm like tearing up. There we go. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay, so we're almost at the end of the show now, Ali. So the last two questions I ask are about reflection and legacy. So I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing. And upon hindsight, yeah. we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker, easier, or with less pain. But I also believe the journey teaches us so much as well. And that journey is really, really important as well. So if you could maybe go back to a younger Ali, maybe when you were 15, maybe in Cairo, for example, or somewhere yeah. else in your life, but knowing everything you know now, and you could whisper something in a younger Ali's ears, what would you say? Your best supporters aren't going to be your friends or family. They're going to be people that are just random and they're people that will connect with you and they're human beings. Don't chase people that you think you need their validity from your best supporters like myself thank you man i really appreciate it definitely and finally then so the last <laughs> question is about legacy and um if in 150 years time there is a book and this book is about your life and everything that you've achieved and accomplished throughout your life with all the ups and all the downs firstly what would the title of the book say and secondly what would the summary at the back tell us about you uh that's a great question what would the title of the book be it would be empathy always wins for sure and on the back, it would just, it would kind of be the, the, an alchemist. It would it'd be, it would be just, just read Paolo Coelho's Alchemist. And it, it would, I, 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 I literally believe that is my life. And I don't know if I'll ever get to meet Paolo or not, but I, I simply don't know if it would be any different because I'm actually Santiago and I resonate with the character. And I, I just feel that, you know, my, my quest isn't just in Egypt. It's the invert because I moved out of Egypt to find my quest. And that is so unique and so quirky and weird. But this is essentially the book that I've read eight or nine times. And I continuously read every time there's a different message in my life. And I, I hope that is the same book that I write. But it's definitely going to be Empathy Always Wins because this is the this is the language. This is the universal language that no matter what, I always say smile. And when you smile, you connect with someone. And Absolutely. when you connect with someone, every freaking cultural, religious, any stigma is just dropped. And this is when you actually win. Hearts, influence, money, and money in an honest and integral way. Money doesn't have to have that negative stigma. I, 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 I really want people to know that by winning, I, I mean winning your own heart because that is true fulfillment to me absolutely and just before i give you a chance to give your social media handle so the world can hopefully follow you on your amazing journey and all the things that you're doing is there any questions or is there anything you want to leave the audience with that i haven't asked you today um there's only one thing i, I really want to put out there is is check up on your loved ones and never assume things um because you know I'm certainly guilty of that. We are all so busy in our lives. But the thing that I really would never want to happen is to lose someone and feel that, you know, I didn't I didn't do my best in reaching out, even doing my part. Don't expect people to reach back out. But as long as you feel that you have done your best and that just could simply be a message, do that because you might never know. I, I've gotten messages from some of the people that I never thought would have ever, you know, taken a simple message so seriously, but it's, it has changed their life. And that simple gesture showed me that, you know, if you change one person's life, you've changed the entire world because you've changed one world. And to me, I'm not about creating a, a change in the world. I'm creating a change in one world every single day. That's that's the mantra that I live with. And in doing that, I'm sure 100 percent 
that things will happen because I, I, I'm not playing the numbers game. I'm playing the people game. And the people to me are, are the people, the people are what matter, not numbers. And that's why when you said money or fame, I replied fame because fame is, uh, is something that people give you the power and anything that I will succeed in my life will be through people's enablement. I'm not buying my way up there. I'm hacking my way through really honest and integral, um, through my honest and integral story and mission, which is empathy always wins. And I'm not trying to sound like a marketer out there. I'm trying to get people to understand that you can chase things, but you'll never get far if you don't connect with people. I love that. So when I started this podcast, I had a goal. I had a goal of like 10,000 listens by the end of the year. And I had a goal just to change one person's mind. So when you said that, I 100% understood it. I was, I was smiling with you because I can easily get fixated on the numbers and keep chasing more numbers. But that's not why I set out to do this. If I can just change one person's mind who may then go on to spark a generation or help many millions of people, then my job is done here. So I'm really grateful, my friend, for you taking time, obviously, to come on this show. I'm glad we've obviously connected. You're a friend for life now, as are all of my guests. Please tell the listeners the best place that they can connect with you because I know you've got like a hundred Instagram handles and channels that I'm seeing and stuff <laughs> as well. But it's all yes. relevant content. So if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, so Ali Salama at Ali, A-L-L-Y, instead of Salami, <laughs> Salama. <laughs> it's S-A-L-A-M-A. So at A-L-L-Y, S-A-L-A-M-A. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram is the is the platform that I use at the moment. And that you can also find me on YouTube and uh, and Facebook as well. But reach out to me on Instagram, direct message, and I'll always be um, replying. I love, I love, I love creating a community of people that, you know, are only on to connect and use social media as a tool for real interaction and real engagement. Absolutely. I'm so grateful for you coming on this show. We literally spoke yesterday while I was on the treadmill and we had a brief conversation and I'm just grateful that you came on, you shared your story. I want to thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing all of your stories. And I want to thank everyone at home <laughs> as well. Thank you so much for listening. What a crazy life. What a crazy <laughs> life. <laughs> and remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.